Good evening, everybody. My name is Coy Rosen, and you are listening to the Story Podcast. Before we get into the episode, I just want to mention if you guys want to really help us out and all that we do, please be sure to like us on Facebook if you're watching on Instagram. Give us a follow us if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or even Facebook, you can also leave a review. I'd highly appreciate it. It helps us get out to new people and bumps us up in the ranking there. With all that said, I have on a really cool guy, Mr. Andrew Pauls. Performer and songwriter Andrew Pauls has been active in the Lancaster music scene and beyond since 2015, bringing energy, humor, and vulnerability into rooms of all sizes. He leads with a story, whether that is a story about his own life, someone he met along the way, or one he's made up. Andrew's songs range from foot-stomping bops to cry-your-eyes-out dirges, sounding something like Bob Dylan tossed in a blender with indie rock, pop, and country music. His most recent release, Spain, invites listeners along to take in the sounds and stories of three Spanish cities, reflecting on what it's like to come home a changed person. Andrew lives in Lancaster, PA with his partner, a rescue pup, and quite a few instruments and bicycles. You can find Andrew and his projects on Spotify or Instagram at Andrew Paul's Music. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Corey. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. I'm really excited to talk to you about because your songwriting is, is a lot about the story and the journey. Yeah, appropriate for the podcast, right? I would very say. <laughs> much appropriate for the podcast. But with all stories, they start somewhere. Yeah. Where did yours as a musician start? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I I grew up in, in a family that valued music. You know, um, my my dad was always singing along with um, whatever music he had on in church. We would sing along and, and, um, you know, we would have the hymnals that would have the music written out. But, um, I think I learned from my dad and my mom to sort of sing by ear. I I didn't start singing the notes on the page that came later. And I was thankful for my training in that. But, um, but yeah, so I, I would say church music was a, was a big part of that. And I think that's true for a lot of musicians. Um, of all genres, church music's like foundational to a lot of that. It's been the theme of a lot of people. Yeah, started in the church. Yeah. So where did, did you? When did you move out of the church, or did you grow into the church music? Yeah. Um, well, I I don't know if you know it's my music. I wouldn't say it's like specifically church music per se, but I think any music can be kind of church music. Like I I, I think it still has my songs have a spiritual underpinning that may not be so obvious. Um, it's not specifically talking about a specific religion or, um, you know, promoting a certain whatever, but it's, um, yeah, it's just about life and, and what we make of it and, um, how we kind of cope with the weird things that happen in our lives, I guess. And I, and I think there's some, there's church in that. I guess. So out of so church, did you pick up a guitar? Did you? Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I actually started playing guitar in church too. That was kind of my first opportunity to kind of play along with people and kind of follow. Um. I was recruited onto the worship team, very small church, but recruited onto the worship team soon after starting to play. So I think that gave me a good sense of like how to 
as a musician, how to like kind of follow people well and how to, you know, if someone is singing and they kind of shift their timing that they miss or add a beat, then I'm able to be right there and kind of, um, and adjust to that in the moment. Um, so I think that that was a big, big part of that, just sort of watching and listening and, um, figuring out how to be dynamic in that, in that space. It's a very so, valuable skill. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm very thankful. Yeah. So what from there? Do you start writing your own music? Do you start saying, hey, I could maybe go out to a venue and do this? Or Yeah. Um, so I started playing guitar when I was probably, I guess, seventh grade. I got a guitar for Christmas. Um, and, and I never really took to playing other people's songs. I... I don't know if I didn't have the patience to like learn them in the words or, or like learn it all the way through. Or if I was just kind of like bored with like, I know the song, why would I try to learn to play it and sing it? So, so right off the bat, I was kind of writing my own songs and you know, they're when you first start doing anything, they're not great. Um, but, um, but yeah, I started writing songs pretty much as soon as I knew three chords um, and, and you know, now I play other people's songs more often, but I always like to play them in a way that's a little bit different and unique um, that still respects the, hopefully the sentiment of the song, but um, the, you know, has, has my own take on it, I suppose. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I have the most fun probably playing my own songs because there's that it's like a it's directly like plugged into my soul, you know. It's your baby, right? Exactly. Right, it's mine. Yeah, and no one can have it but me. <laughs> so, at what point did you start performing? Oh yeah, all of these things. It's kind of hard to find like a specific um, day or time because it. it all evolves but sort of like that i don't know everybody says being on the worship team isn't performing but at the same time it's like it it is to a certain extent it got me comfortable being up in front of people um and in sort of a, a backing people up sense and that kind of eased me into being able to play guitar and sing i remember um Middle school, in middle school, there was a talent show every year towards the end of the school year. And um, I played a song, someone else's song, and really, really butchered it. Um, Well, I I felt like I butchered it. I I think it sort of, I basically was was aiming too high. Like uh, the finger picking pattern was too difficult for where I was at to, you know, I could maybe do it in my bedroom. Okay. But, um, anyway, that was a lesson, but I would say that's probably kind of my earliest memory of like performing a song. And then in middle school, I had a band that I was in. Um, it was eternally frustrating because everybody else just wanted to, you know, mess around because we were in middle school. Like, of course. Right. Um, but I was always like, come on guys, like let's actually practice and like, write songs and play stuff. Yeah. But the, everybody else was just like, let's, I don't know, let's play video games or let's just like run around in the backyard. And it's like, 
you know, I was mad about it then, but looking back, it's like, you know, that totally makes sense. Right, <laughs> like not everybody's on the same page there. Um, middle schoolers kind of being middle schoolers. Um, but as far as like playing out, um, hmm, probably, hmm. I guess my first time playing out was like at a coffee shop in New Holland for no money. Um, I got uh, a cookie, I think, <laughs> and tips. It, it was it was really rough, but like you gotta, you know, gotta start by yeah. I know <laughs> I was just trying to think of something other to say, but but that's it's pretty true, much it. Right? You gotta start somewhere. Um, yeah, so I I think that's that's probably most of it um and then college played with a folk trio two really solid musicians um Sadie Gustafson Zook and Ethan Satiawan yeah both both great great at their instruments Sadie's an excellent singer Ethan's an incredible mandolin player um and so playing with some people who were dedicated to their music and um were were yeah were very advanced in their their playing and they also had a lot of friends that were really um you know in the bluegrass scene in Boston later on and so that really i think it introduced me to some people who were interested in similar music that i was interested in um yeah i, I don't know so so that was kind of a a, a boost and just um encouraging i guess did you go to college for music um halfway so i have a music minor my i have a music minor and a religion minor and my major was um peace justice and conflict studies it's it's a mouthful it's an interdisciplinary degree focused on um conflict management um peace building, whatever you want to call that. Um, Is that nationwide or individual? Well, it could be kind of however you slice it, however you want to. Some people kind of used it as a pre-law degree or, um, you know, you could maybe go towards a master's in international relations or, you know, um, mediation as an alternative to um, serving jail time. yeah, so people use it all kinds of different ways. Um, What's the way you chose? Yeah, uh, so it, with with a degree like that, it's it's great because it you could use you could do anything, but then it's also you know you have to figure out what you where where you're going <laughs> with it because it because it could be anything. Um, so I started. Well, I know I wanted to work in the nonprofit sector because um because I, I I I wanted to be wanted the work I did not just to be patting someone's pocket, but to be making a difference um in in the world, especially in relation to um you know, social justice, climate, things of that nature. So I started working at a nonprofit business loan fund called Community First Fund. Um, They're still in operation here in Lancaster. They do great work. Um, So they provide financing to business owners who are persons of color, low-income people, um, and women-owned businesses. Not just those groups, but those are the target groups 
um, with with a goal of serving folks who have been kind of um, pushed out of the traditional financial systems. Um, so so yeah, that that was a really cool place to get started in looking uh, working a lot with grants and managing grants. And um, I recently started working for the Lancaster County Conservation District. Um, so kind of moving towards the the conservation realm. Um, so the county conservation district focuses a lot on water quality, um, helping farmers with managing, you know, uh, managing runoff in their fields and um, keeping the cow poop out of the water, basically, <laughs> is, is that. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, but yeah, I, I I'm pretty fresh at that. But um, once again, that kind of grants management thing and um, working to protect um, natural resources, working to protect the water that we drink um, and rely on. Um, yeah, so so that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, have you work found, wise uh, within that college class? I'd imagine you learn a lot of uh, negotiate negotiation skills. Yeah. Yeah, um negotiation. Yeah, it, negotiation I guess brings to mind like like you're in it to like try to like, you know, pull one over the other person, but but that's not necessarily Yeah, it's yeah, compromise and and just finding one of the phrases that you'd use would be like finding the quote third way. I'm using air quotes. Um uh, where it's like there are two people coming together and they're saying, no, we'll do it my way. Person B says, we'll do it my way. It's, well, we're finding the third way where both people, like you said, a compromise. We're not both going to get everything that we want, but hopefully we'll no. each get something that we need out of the situation. And and oftentimes like we can become so entrenched in our positions that we can kind of forget um, how to compromise. Well, I forget how to compromise and and also not realize that we both want the same thing, Mm. but we're just expressing that in different ways. Um, So those are some of the things that kind of those sorts of things kind of make my way, make their way into my songs. Um, Yeah, those are all of that is sort of those are underpinnings of, of my songs. I don't come out and say like. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know yeah yeah i don't i don't do it in such an obvious way i i my songwriting i try to make sure that it's not too obvious because that's just not, it's not good how how i yeah, yeah. like that's true some people can do it but i you have to be careful i was i was more curious if if any of those skills have helped you uh communicate with like vendors or venues uh, and- that's a good question um, or what are some tips and tricks that you've, you've learned <laughs> that can help other musicians? You know? uh, yeah. So I would, when it comes to communicating with venues, I think probably the biggest thing I, I learned is it's like being, being clear about what you want um, and clear about what you have to offer. So like writing a good email, like it's a pretty boring thing, but like writing a good email that like looks professional, things are laid out in, you know, in in bullet point format when it needs to be. So it's not just this big chunk of text coming at this venue um, that they can kind of easily see what you have to offer. 
Um, as far as tips, usually it's finding. Well, if you want to get plugged into a local scene, and I'm still working on, I'm no, by no means any kind of expert at this, but it's you just show up at shows and meet other musicians and talk to them, get to know them, and then um, ask them who they talk to to book places. Um, I found that doing cold cold calls or cold emails rarely works very well. Um, I don't know. I, it, it can work. It depends on the situation, but, but I have had better luck with someone who knows someone or someone who's like, Hey, I can't do this gig. Can you cover for me? Kind of thing. And then you get to know the person who books and, and mm-hmm. it's that relationship building thing. So just like anybody, like if you have a random email coming in your inbox, you're like, who's this person? I don't why. Yeah. And another resource I'll, I'll announce is uh, Stage Rush, actually. I don't know if you've ever heard of Stage Rush, but it's a, it's a website where venues uh, are already there. And as performers, you can sign up for free and you can apply it to venues directly instead of having to do all that circus of mm-hmm. trying to find of who to talk to, who knows this person, who knows that person. However, you do make a great point of going out to actually going out to the shows and meeting with them anyway, mm-hmm. because if you want to make a connection, it's the best way to do it is in person. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it shows good faith. It shows that you're like, that you care about the community and that um, that you're there for it. And you know, it's a good time. It's a good time to go out to a show. It's it's fun to to see what people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think? Or rather, this this is a part time thing for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you ever imagine it becoming a full time thing? Yeah, well, so I had um I had taken some time off from my job. I I quit back in October um and I just needed a few months to kind of figure out what direction I wanted to go before I, you know, signed up for another office job. I, I, I sort of questioned, like, do I even want to be in an office job? Do I want to make music? I, I thought about, like, do I want to make music a bigger part of my income? Um, so I had, I have sort of thought about that kind of recently. But I think it was, I was in a strange space because COVID had shut down a lot of my playing and I wasn't like going after gigs or really, I had a pretty um, low tolerance for risk just because, you know, I had a job. um, And so I didn't, I had a job other than music, I should say. And um, so I didn't feel like I had to really push to go out and get shows and take that risk. Um, And so all that to say that I hadn't been playing much and so to all of a sudden say, well, I'm going to make this my job after not really playing for two years seemed kind of silly. So um, so I was and every time I thought about it, it stressed me out. So I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't do that if it's stressing me out. Like, why force that? Um, so like my mentality is like, well, you know, I've opened the door. I, I can I know that I can what it's like to quit a job and and be in, you know, a a new space. And so I can always, 
I can always reopen that door. I, this isn't my only chance to do that. Um, yeah, it was. I was in a real like do or die kind of space. Like, well, this is my only chance to. I'm like, dude, you're like twenty something. Like, you're, <laughs> you're fine. You've Relax. got some time. Yeah. Um, wait till your midlife crisis. Um, At least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I have thought about it. I, I think I just. Um, Yeah, I, I I don't know. I feel like I I want to do a couple solo tours and stuff, and and you know maybe put out a few more records before I would do that because yeah, I'm I'm happy where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's good. Have you ever done tours before? I have not not a solo tour. I've I've toured with that folk trio I mentioned. We were called Theory Expats. Um. So we were in music theory together and then we were no longer in music theory. So we were expatriates of music theory. So we called ourselves theory expats. Um, We tried to find another name, but we never could. So that's what we were. And so um, we, we, uh, we did a couple tours. One we did, uh, it was probably under 10 dates. I think we might've done like six or seven different dates, um, on the East coast here, ranging from, we were in Thomas, West Virginia. We were here in Lancaster, played a show in Philly. And then we were up North. The farthest we went was, was it Vermont or Maine? We were in Burlington, yeah, we were in Burlington, Vermont. I think that's the furthest north we went. And then some other things in between. Boston was in there too because that's where um, my friends were living at the time. So, um, What were some of the challenges you had to overcome? Challenges? Um, yeah. I Well, I was just thinking about being in Burlington and how we didn't really have a place lined up to stay. Was it during the winter? Uh, no, 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 yeah, yeah, no, we were, it was, it was summer, like end of the summer. Um, and so, I mean, it wasn't a huge, we just, we figured it out. It was, it was, we just got a hotel room, but that's, that's like a significant spent expense when you're on the road. Um, other challenges, I don't know. It's a lot of driving. I didn't, it's just a lot of time in the car. And, and so it's long enough ago that I can't remember specifics, but like I'm sure there were moments where like people were hangry, people were tired, um, so and sad. so learning how to deal with that. And we, you know, we got to know each other pretty well, um, and um, yeah. And so just knowing, well, Andrew needs a granola bar, so and then we'll be okay, kind of thing. Um, and like knowing that I need a stash of granola bars, um, yeah. That's always a good thing. If you're ever going out on a road trip or even a tour with other people, um, make sure... Wait a minute. What is going on here? Did our feet cut out? Well, we're halfway through, so I'll just put a graphic over it instead. <laughs> that sounds all right. Okay. Well, yeah, it, it, especially like on a tour or whatever, uh, 
God, that makes me mad. Whatever. Uh, knowing your people, absolutely. Knowing your knowing your own boundaries, because right. uh, you're gonna be with those people, like you said, for a week. In my case, it was two weeks. Granted, yeah. I, I we did a road trip up to Chicago to St. Louis to Nashville and back. Yeah, and hit cities along the way. Um, the most important thing you got if tours where you got to realize you got to budget, right? Got to budget properly, uh huh. <laughs> and got to think of every possible gas, every possible food, every possible location. Mm-hmm. Granted, we just used our we just used the car to sleep in, so it was yeah. That's on that that's part. simple, yeah. But Make sure you budget. Make sure you know the people because there are some people who you can go on tour on tour with, and there are some people who you cannot. No, no, you don't want to do that. Especially if you're in a car for like uh, four hours, yeah, five hours yeah. at a time, and there's only so many songs you can listen to over and over again. Or... Yeah. Well, I. So I think the key is. You just have to like actually play some shows with these people before you mm. decide to go on the road. Because I feel like when you're, you know, loading in on a show, um, when you're rehearsing, all those things, you can kind of like, you're able to like shake out some of personality types That's and fair. stuff like that. And you, you know who shows up to practice, who's not going to wake up if uh, on time, if we're on tour or, um, who has a temper, who drinks too much. Like right. you, you can figure all those things out. Um, but uh, if you play a couple shows, in other words, like locally, that's safer <laughs> for sure. So you also, uh, speaking of traveling to the U.S., you also traveled outside the U.S. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was not in a musical capacity Um an official musical capacity. I I've, I guess I've done some traveling South Africa in high school, um, for a a choir tour. Um, I studied abroad in Peru for a couple months in college, went to Iceland. Um, but I think what you're getting at is, is I have, my most recent release from uh, a couple years back at this point um, is um, entitled Spain. So it's, it's a four song EP about um, my experience going to my partner and I went to Spain back in, I guess it was 2019 before things got crazy, more crazy than they already were. (laughs) Um, and um, so we, we spent uh, maybe 10 days there. And so we visited um, Valencia and, well, Valencia. We visited um, Seville or Sevilla and we visited Madrid um, because we had a friend who was living over there at the time. So it was great to be able to visit her and her partner over there. And, um, so yeah, uh, stayed with some excellent people, saw some really cool things. And, um, I guess the best way I thought to process it was to write, write some songs about it. And, um, I think from the, from the start, I had it in mind that I like wanted to make it a concept album. I mean, it's EP concept EP. Um, 
Because I'm like, well, you know, you can have one, three songs for each of the cities that I visited and then can have four or five songs about other things. So it ended up being four songs total, three songs about each of the cities, and then um, and then one song about um, just about coming home and being jet lagged and, and what that's like um, and getting back to real life, which is, you know, always a challenge. But um, we have one of the songs from that. It's yeah. You said it Valencia. Valencia, yeah. So, in uh, for those of you who know anything about Spanish in in Spain, is there is there's a lisp. So if you have any C's or Z's in your words, you use a th sound instead of a s sound. I, I I'm not the authority on this, but I think pretty much everywhere else it's just an s sound. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think yeah. So. And there's also like there's also different languages within Spain, just like Castile, right? That, that yeah, whole yeah, yeah. Area as well, Catalan. Yeah, yeah. Catalan. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know any of that, but <laughs> why is it Castile? Even... Castellano is what. So it, when I was in Peru, they would call Spanish, or certain people would call Spanish Castellano. Um, I I wasn't sure about all the background on that, but um. So we have Valencia. This is about our. Uh, Valencia, <laughs> yeah. Whichever way you prefer to pronounce it, yeah. And it's about the city. What What is the striking feature of the city that got you? Yeah. So, um, we had some some friends of or uncle of friends or brother of friend, co. I don't know. Anyway, we knew these people tangentially through some other people, and we stayed with them. They're artists, um, and just lovely people, lovely home. Um, and, uh, well, but yeah, get, get to the point, Andrew. Um, the striking feature of the city was the, the park that ran through the center of the city. So mm. Valencia had problems. It had a river running through the middle of the city and it had problems with flooding. Um, and it would just be a mess. Um, and, and so they needed to do something about this. They diverted the, the river and, um, you know, it was no longer a problem. But then, you know, they had this riverbed that had, um, you know, all this infrastructure, all these bridges. It was like more of a canal sort of structure running through the entirety of the city. So they, they were like, well, this is ugly. we got to do something <laughs> with this. So they, like, had proposals of, like, um, somebody thought it would be a good idea to make it into a highway. Um, but what they ended up doing is turning it into a park that runs pretty much the entirety of the, the city. So I remember looking at Valencia on Google maps and being like, what is this like green thing that is running the whole length of the city? It, it's a park. So there, there are walking paths and biking paths and you're in the riverbed. So you look up and you can like, you you're like going under bridges and, and street level is like maybe a story, a story and a half above you. Um, but there are trees, there's grass, there are, um, soccer fields. Like it's that wide. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really incredible. Look up pictures. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not like skyscrapers there either. It's like old architecture. Right, right. It's older buildings. It's, that's gotta be a, a site. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Um, so yeah, I couldn't not write a song about that. (laughs) Um, so yeah, the song is, I, I do, I did a really complicated thing where it was like, I, well, I have to name the song the city, but then I also have to like 
do in parentheses like the words that are recognizable to the listener. It just got really unwieldy. I don't know if I'd do it again, but um, so the name of this song is Valencia. And then in parentheses, I used to be a river um, because it's sort of like this journey of singing from the perspective of the rain, of the park, um, and then sort of thinking about um, how we are made up of water, which is like the really scientific thing. But but I also think it's like a really beautiful thing to think about. You know, I mean, in my work right now, water quality is so important. Um, and it's like we are made of water, and so we should care about water. What's yeah. the quality of your water? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I forget what what what's the percentage? It's like, it's like seventy five. Yeah, something like that. Really high. <clears throat> With that said, this is Val- Valencia. I used to be a river mm-hmm. by Andrew Pauls. to be a river 
Blowing through some city street Now I'm just me I sing to the birds and trees Thank God I'm not a highway Reminds me uh, that song of there. There was used to be this really big highway. I think it was in Germany or the Netherlands. Uh, this meme always comes up once in a while. <laughs> and uh, like in the eighties, it was just pure like five lane highway going each way, right across the sea, or right next to the sea. And uh, what they did is they decided for many reasons to put it underground and then re- restore the beach and area for you know tourism and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just that song really reminds me. Thank God I'm not a highway. I'm like actually mm-hmm. I'm a beach or I'm, uh, or I'm a park in this case. Right. That's really cool, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I hope if I if I am a a place that I am never a highway. <laughs> right. I I you know all of these Americana songs about like the highway and whatever and like highways are not great like i mean there's this whole idea of be like traveling on the highway and stuff but like think about the people who have to live next to the highway it's pretty miserable yeah the highways are a give and take for sure there's you there's the freedom that a highway or the interstate offers of like yeah i if you have a car right (laughs) that's the other thing yeah that's that's the the main thing uh if you have a car you can go anywhere in the world that you want uh in terms of land (laughs) uh but the other factor is it looks it disturbs the peace of Mm -hmm. nature it disturbs you know the people who are living there uh but i think you're right out of all the things i wish i weren't (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'd love to be a park i think I, i i could if I have to come back as a place, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works. It's probably sacrilegious or something for some people. But, that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Reincarnated as a place. I hope I'm a, a nature preserve. Maybe that's really yeah. cool. I to have like, it's like the idea of central park, but if, if the entirety of New York had like a canal of just park. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it was, it's incredible. I, yeah. Anybody listening should definitely look up some pictures. Go to Spain. Yeah, or or just go to Spain. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. You've written some other stuff besides that. Some older stuff that we have. Yeah, yeah. I I came out with. Well, I have a couple singles from, um, you know, during COVID lockdown. I'm like, I gotta. These are, um, almost, well, as topical of a song as I'm going to get. Like I was saying, I, I don't like to. I sort of like to deflect. Or, or you know, sort of dance around the the point um, when I'm talking here, but also in my songs. Um, so yeah, released some songs during COVID that I'm like, I gotta get these out because they're before the pandemic's over, and that was in like June of 2020, and I uh, had more time than I thought. But it's good I didn't know that I had more time because it might never never have happened. But before that, uh, my most recent release was in 2016 i released i think it's a 10 song record that's definitely much more stripped back overall than what we just heard um 
sort of recorded in um, a friend's attic in college, um, sent it to somebody to mix and master, and then um, printed some CDs with some artwork by a college friend. So yeah, very homegrown process. Actually, as was Spain and the other recordings. Um, but um, yeah, all of my all of my releases have been kind of quote unquote home recorded, even if it wasn't, it was in somebody's home, if it wasn't mine. Um, and to, to ramble and, and provide an interesting point uh, or a point of interest, that song that you just heard was recorded in my bathroom. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, the, at my old apartment, but yeah. Well, it, was, it was because of the acoustics, wasn't uh, it? Yeah, right. So the old apartment had really high ceilings, so it was if you try to record something, it'd be really boomy. And uh, so, so the bathroom was the smallest room, lowest ceiling, and I was able to put blankets up, but it was cramped and sure, kind of a headache. Anyway, sorry. That was a big old, no. big old bunny trail. But, um, but sometimes you have to do that, especially if you're a homegrown musician that, do- that doesn't have, can't afford like a, a recording studio. Yeah, for sure. You got to yeah. do what you got to do. And if you got to set up your space in, in a bathroom, no one's going to know that unless you tell them. No, right? no. And I like telling people, though. Yeah, and it's also <laughs> really funny because people are going to be like, that sounded great. And you're, you're going to be like, yeah, I recorded it in my bathroom. And they're going to go, sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I sort of did the math and I'm like, well, okay, one studio session to do the things I want to do is probably going to cost me about as much as if I buy some recording equipment and do it myself. I didn't actually run the numbers, but that was my estimation. And, you know, I still have the recording equipment so I can continue to continue to, to record, to record some to. things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this, what you're getting at is this song that I recorded back in 2016 in my friend's attic. Um, this, this song I wrote while I was, a, while I was abroad. The other one I wrote about being abroad. This one I wrote in Peru um, I'm not really sure where it came from, but it, but it, um, but yeah, I wrote it while I was in Peru. This is Bells by Andrew Claus. Took a walk down to the school Kids were kicking soccer balls One kid made a shot on goal School bells rang and that was all Ah I took a walk down to the church To join the other people there in a lifelong search And the bells rang as a call to prayer Ah Bells ring loud and clear Down into the valley for everyone to hear Bells ring loud and strong Tell them summer's coming, oh, tell them summer's coming and winter soon be gone. 
Took a walk in an open field Heralding the dawn of spring To the long grass I would steal In the air the bluebells seemed to ring Ah Bells ring loud and clear Down into the valley for everyone here Bells ring loud and strong Tell them summer's coming, oh Tell them summer's coming And winter soon be gone Cows and sheep graze placidly Birds are tuning in the trees Cattle bells join in the melody Ah, Bells ring loud and clear Down into the valley for everyone to hear Bells ring loud and strong Tell them summer's coming, oh, tell them summer's coming and winter's soon be gone. And when the bells ring for my death, don't let them ring sullenly. Let them sing the depth and breadth. Of a life lived most fully. Ah, 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 bells ring loud and clear down into the valley for everyone to hear. Bells ring loud and strong. Tell them summer's coming. Tell them summer's coming. Tell them summer's coming Tell them summer's coming And winter soon be gone What a pretty song. Thank you. Yeah, I, that, was, that was really cool. I really enjoyed that one. What do you think, having traveled everywhere, <laughs> Not everywhere, but Peru, go for it. All the most corners of the of the world. I haven't been to Asia yet. Right. I'd like to get to Japan. That would be cool. That'd be really cool. What do you think has been the most culturally shocking? Oh, jeez, culturally shocking. Um, hmm. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can name one thing or one incident, but but like just a general sense of personal space is different. I think, um, I'm I'm especially thinking about Peru or Latin America. Just traveling public transit there was very. Um, You sort of like all these different bus companies were running. There wasn't like a centralized bus company. So you would all just sort of like 
there's like a you call them com a combi I guess would be one name for it and it would come it would be like a big big van um and you just pile in and it's like you knew you knew that it was going where you needed to go um and you could sort of take your pick and um so yeah I think like personal space it was just like y'all sort of just this mass of humanity on on the bus you didn't all have your own little seat I mean you there were seats but it was like you know bench you're ser- sharing a bench seat with a stranger um some of the time so that I guess that was one thing it was different like in the states we like space like we you know our own house our own whatever and like you like a whole if you're sitting on the bus you want you get both seats to yourself right. <laughs> or the train or whatever but and even then uh speaking of like latin america it's very uh, much a oh come here blah, blah. Like, like yeah yeah that's too, right? i that's a good good point i didn't like directly no i guess i did um but like meeting people for the first time geez it's a long time ago i'm trying to remember what the greetings were like but yeah, a very warm and and more physicality than meeting strangers here in the states. Like meeting strangers, you maybe shake hands, <laughs> right? Or at <laughs> but least a rather than like more. yeah, right. Rather than like a hug and right. There was some cheek kissing, I do believe, or like you know you, right? Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So well. we would you know you touch cheeks and you make a kissing sound. You don't like actually lip to cheek necessarily the germaphobe like, in me goes insane i know that. i know especially after covid yeah right. or or during covid i shouldn't say we're not done with this yet but i wonder if, it, if that has changed the culture at all that's a great question i don't know that that's that'd be an interesting social study to come out yeah in years i i feel like things like that are so ingrained for such a long time that it would be really yeah, but you think about it like even in the US, we we're very much outgoing people. And over the past 2 years and even now, it's still a struggle to get out anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can I can really Yeah, I I don't I'm I'm interested in in all kinds of studies after Yeah, social psychological studies after or not after, be, you know, be, in in a what do we call it? It's not post COVID. It's like post post pandemic. Right? Uh, yeah. Cause it wouldn't be a pandemic anymore. It'd be the, like an epidemic and endemic. endemic. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious about, cause I, I love psychology. I'm, I'm all the way into that. I'm, I'm yeah. really curious to see how like lock, lockdown or, uh, just the, the fear or, or uh, how social statuses or social behaviors have changed mm-hmm. since COVID for multiple countries. Because, like, uh, the very communal, uh, like Italy, for example, if you saw the videos coming out of Italy, mm-hmm. even then they were still out, they were all on their porches playing right. music or right, whatever. Right, 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 right. They were still yeah. doing community in that way. Uh, so they, yeah. they kind of pushed through it. Whereas um, other places, it's so rural that you can't do anything. So are yeah. they now more isolated, or they more her- hermity? Uh, yeah. Like that. Or, or if your society was already kind of at a fragile point when it came to, yeah, interact. Uh, well, I think about the states. I, I, I worry about that, and and just our like ability to connect with each other, mm-hmm. and and I think about c- technology having a role in that and all of that. But, but yeah, what is 
has the pandemic kind of been part of a tipping point or right. I hope not, or, or, you know, hopefully a reinvention or, or a realization of what's important. I know for a lot of people it's been that, but, and maybe it's both. I don't know. It's been it's been an interesting past two years. <laughs> yeah, an that's interesting future to live in. Uh huh. Yes. So speaking about the future. Yeah. What about for you? Any future? Any future albums you're working on? Any future songs? Yeah. Oh man, I always I have so many songs I want to record, and and honestly, part of part of what I was trying to to do with the Spain EP was just to say, all right, I gotta just like do the process of recording, um, and just like and do it with songs that I'm not so attached to. Mm. Like, uh, so that was part of the idea of like, I'm coming up with this concept of an EP of these are the songs I'm putting out. This is what I'm, this is what I'm doing. I'm aiming to record these and, and put them out as a package rather than like, this is a song that I wrote in a very specific time in my life that is like, you know, still has like, the umbilical cord attached so to speak and like to record it it's like i want to do it justice so it's like i want to do it so perfectly that i'm afraid to start it mm. and i think that's a lot of my problem with the with the creative process um especially recently it's just like i'm afraid i'm gonna mess up so i don't don't touch it you know and so I that's can't make it perfect so i can't start right right which is silly um and i know it's silly but i still in your head. but it's still that's just how it is yeah, that's so. i realized that that's something I, i'm too much of a visionary or people are creatives in general mm-hmm. are too much visionary to actually act and create that vision right yeah to anybody yeah. who's out there and struggling with that i know it, it's preaching to the choir especially for me do it the best time to do anything is yesterday Right, like what planting a tree is what comes to mind. Like the best, the best time to plant a tree is ten years ago, but the second best time is today. Right. Yeah, yeah. It it's it's a whole thing. Like I don't know, and I also kind of get in my head when it comes to like reading about the proper way to do things, the proper way to set the microphone on your guitar, or the proper way to mix an album or, you know, all of these kind of gatekeeping things. It's like, just, just do it. Like, and if it doesn't sound good, do it again. And it's okay. Um, Figure it out. Yeah. I'm talking to myself here. So I'm going to go back and listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) Just get it. Lock yourself in your room and just do it. Don't. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I, I get caught up in the process of like, I have to, you know, the best thing is to record the drums first um, because if you have the drums recorded, then you layer the guitar over that and then you're in sync with the drums. And that's the ideal, right? But then I'm like, I okay, I wrote this song on my guitar. I have no idea what the heck the, the drums are going to sound like. So I have to make up a drum part. Before uh, you record yeah, so I ha- and then I have to record the dress. So it's just it's just sort of like I get in my own way by reading some of these blog posts like that are helpful, but some of them like I said are kind of gatekeepy and kind of like Yeah, I don't know who in whatever. the world would tell you to write the drums first. That sounds like a god awful idea. Yeah, I mean uh, the well not write not necessarily write the drums first, but if you're recording like it it makes sense to me that you would have the rhythm track. 
yeah. then you have the bass because then the bass and the kick drum are locked together. So the idea is that that creates a tight track. But then I'm like also thinking that I'm a folk musician. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing is if you've ever listened to like, oh, nothing gracious, is, like uh, nothing's click track. No, like, oh, my God, like Bob Dylan. I pity the band that had to play with Bob Dylan. Like, <laughs> wow. So I guess I didn't record Spain that way. Like I just I recorded the guitar track and the vocal track separately but i like tracked the guitar first because that's what was natural and then the rest of it came together and like i can hear certain parts where like the drums maybe were a little flubby um but probably no one else can right exactly um if if anybody's getting in their head about that uh i would highly suggest record the instrument that you're playing with first because all of that will will give info to you for the drums and for the bass right, and for right. all that. Uh, having a click track is helpful for sure. Like have a, having a yeah, of course, very helpful, yeah. but that's going to affect how you already know your song. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's where I see the problem, problem of writing drums first. Uh, but Hey, I know Phil Collins probably wrote the drums first. Oh, well, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. And, and so I think I just need to say, um, forget about what anybody else is saying about how to do anything do and just do what feels do. natural. Yeah. Because it's, I'm having a hard enough time even doing it at all. So right. I should just do it, not the easy way, but like do it in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, you don't. Do it the way that you want to do it. Because there is, truthfully, there is no right way to do anything. Yeah. Right? Unless you're doing maybe brain surgery or something. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, forever, <laughs> I'm forever like finding the... In regards to music. Yeah. In, yeah. That's true. Yes. Uh, when it comes to art. Everything theoretically. Yeah. He's like, listen, there's music theory. There's <laughs> No, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. There, there isn't. And if you do it, and it doesn't turn out like you want it to, then Try you just move way. on to the next thing or do it yeah. again. I think my fear is it's like, I don't know. I want to do the songs that I love justice, mm. and I want people to hear them how I, how I hear them in my head. I guess. And and so how do I get? Get it out of my head, you know, and I don't know. So, a large so part it's of like that is like trying to meet an impossible standard because everyone's subjective and everyone's different. And everyone's gonna hear it differently. Yeah, yeah. And what's in? Yeah. So, anyway, it's it's a whole thing. I'm curious. What is one of the best pieces of advices? One of the best pieces. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Best advice I've ever been given. Oh. Um. Hmm. Best advice I've ever been given. Um. I don't know. Don't pee into the wind. <laughs> um. Don't. Uh, maybe I can't say that on the radio. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's, um. It's a good advice, though. Actually. Uh. Yeah. Very good advice. Um. Gee. That's. 
a tough one. Best advice. Hmm. I think. <laughs> well, okay. Maybe this isn't the best one I've ever heard, but this is the one that comes to mind right now. Um, it, the, the phrase is stop shooting on yourself. As in, stop saying that you should have done something mm. um, and and sort of doubting doubting your you know your past actions i I tend to do that um, saying, "Oh, I should have done it this way or I should have done it that way, and so it's like a vicious cycle because it's like i wanna I'm afraid to do it because I'm afraid. Of regret. Of, um, yeah, I'm afraid of regret. Yeah, I'm afraid that I'm going to say that I should have done it another way. But then you don't. You don't but move. if you don't ever do it, then you never know the way that you could do it better. I don't know. You should never go. Granted, this is a thing everybody does where they lay at bed at night and they're like, oh, my gosh, I regret every single thing I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> and I don't regret everything. Right, right. But this is the <laughs> idea, right? Um, but you, you gotta move past that. You gotta move past the whataboutism. You gotta move past the, oh, I should have done it this way. I should have done it this way. Those things are good for sure. Cause you know, reflection is useful. Yeah. But what are you going to do about it? Well, what are you going to do about it? That's the question. You can't just sit there and say, oh, I should have done something and not do mm -hmm. anything more about it mm -hmm. than just that. You should say, I should have done it this way. Next time I will do it that way. Exactly. And see yeah. if that works. Yeah, and, and so, like, part of my wayfinding that I did um, soon after handing in my resignation was, like, I'm like I'm going to read some Brene Brown, I said. Like, this is going <laughs> to be my, like, you know, figure it out. Um, and, and she was helpful. I really like Brene Brown. Um, but this whole concept of, like, shame versus guilt, it's, like, shame just, like, pushes you down. It's like thinking, oh, I should have done something or I did mm. it the wrong way and I'm such a bad person for doing it the wrong way because there's no action or remediation involved in shame. Just feeling bad. It's just like you're feeling bad and you're just stuck there. You're there. Um, whereas with guilt, it's like you feel bad, but then there's an action component to it. It's like, okay, I did this dumb thing and I realize it was dumb and I feel bad about it, but I'm going to, you know, something yeah, yeah it's a useful feeling because it pushes you to action way. yeah rather than just like you know ooh, wallowing in it yeah Good so way to put it but yeah so translating that to yeah not being afraid of messing up i'm afraid of messing up i think that's what it is yeah and that's it's a hard thing to get over because it's all in your mind yeah and it, and like part of it Half of it is just saying out loud, honestly, just saying it out loud that, you know, I am, I don't know. I, I feel like, isn't that a component of like That's what I say. That's Alcoholics like the, Anonymous and things like that? Like just the first step of fixing a problem is acknowledging you have yeah. a problem. Yeah. And then there's like a Mr. Rogers quote that comes to mind that says like, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. Mm. So if you can name it, then it's like, then you can put it into perspective. Sort of like... I miss Mr. Rogers. Yeah. I would say if I were to choose a hero, it'd probably be Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Did you watch that um, the documentary? The Tom Hanks one? No, oh, okay. the documentary. No. 
No. Yeah, if you're looking for a good cry, watch the documentary. Um, I don't know if you're a crier, but I'm a crier, and it wow, that about broke me. I should watch it again. Um, but beautiful. I I much preferred it to the movie. Personally, I love Tom Hanks, but to me, Tom Hanks isn't Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers this is Mr. Is, Rogers. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't it, know. It, he he did his best. He did he did a good job. Love Tom. But. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that's that's a tough ask. It is a tough ask. It's it, like, yeah. Who else would you cast for that? I uh, don't like watching all of these musician tribute things. Like, okay, how are you gonna right. have uh, like I. My personal favorite was Ellen John Rocket Man, the one that came uh-huh. out. Yeah. Uh, granted, the guy who played that, his name is escaping me right now, does a great job of portraying Ellen John. But it's like. But he's not Ellen John. Not Ellen John. Yeah. It's yeah. not Freddie Mercury. It's not Aretha Franklin. Right. It's not Elvis Presley. And I, I haven't even seen that that movie yet. Um, yeah. And like, who else could I go on about? It's not Lincoln. It's not. Uh, Granted, I don't think anybody from this time. Yeah, right, right. Like I <laughs> haven't still, seen like right? a YouTube video of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, <laughs> so it's like didn't grow up watching Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. It's that's it's a tall order to like represent somebody who actually, like, you know, and yeah. was and sometimes still is. Yeah, right, right. Especially if someone hasn't died. Like, how do you? Ah, uh, wow. That's what I was most curious about Rocket Man. I was like, they really did make a documentary about a man who's still living. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder how that came about. Yeah, and I wonder how Cause he still got- Sir Elton John was all like, well, he didn't portray me very well. <laughs> but that's okay. Well, We're making a lot of money. <laughs> the, the guy the guy who played Elton John, he went on tour with okay. uh, Elton. And okay, like, I didn't like, know that. Was, yeah, he was like legit. I, God, I can't remember his name. Um, but... He he actually got that job actually from being the gorilla in Sing, uh, huh. And because uh, he he was the he was the gorilla in Tar Tarn Egerton that's his name, and uh, yeah he played the gorilla in Sing and uh, huh. and have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. So it's basically this uh, what are they called? song cycle of uh a popular pop songs and it's like a musical thing or whatever and the, the gorilla chooses i'm the, i'm still standing and he sounds pretty much like Elton john uh and, and so and then El- got the, Elton's like the you're hired <laughs> you're like, hired <laughs> i don't actually i don't even know if ellen was all that involved with the movie uh, either that's the, well that's but, the thing with these things you just don't know right but he did. He did well enough that Ellen said, "Come on, on my last, last tour." Yeah, right. <laughs> and sing along with me. So that, that's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. So there was at least that stamp of approval. So. So, back to you. Yeah. What is do you think one thing that you know now, that you wish you had known when you first started? This could be related related to your mm. education, your music, your. Yeah. One thing I, I, yeah, I think probably it would have to do with like booking venues and, and, and knowing my worth too. I I think I'm, I am grateful to other musicians who ask 
for what they're worth and don't play venues that don't pay well, um, they just don't have time for it. And I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Like I could do that. So like, um, back to that coffee shop gig where I played for a cookie. Um, yeah, maybe I would, I would counsel myself to like, okay, yeah, maybe do that one time or, um, or like maybe play in front of friends and family instead of doing that. If you need practice or whatever. Um, but yeah, but yeah, just like knowing, knowing your worth, knowing, um, monetarily, but also like knowing that it's that what you have, if you think it's good, it, it it's probably got some good things going. Um, I, I, that's, I think that's probably every artist that suffers from like, am I, um, am I authentic? Am I, am I just a fake? Am I, um, is this actually good or is it all in my head? So, um, so I, if I encountered myself, I would assure myself that the things I'm doing are actually, are actually good. Um, and, and I would also encourage myself to like find someone who could be like a quote unquote objective, um, listener and give me feedback. Um, and I, I, that would be another thing, like just being open to feedback. Um, cause along with that, like I fear of messing up, not, mm-hmm. you know, is like that fear of feedback too, that because, you know, especially with songwriting and singing, you know, playing a guitar piece that has your ego and your soul involved too, just like instrumental, but like there's something about your voice and, and writing your own lyrics and, and singing your own songs that there's like, like I said, the umbilical cord still attached there. So like having somebody, having somebody criticize that, um, or even if it's constructive criticism is just like really hard and, and scary. So I think also just being, I would counsel myself to like find safe people to show songs to that I know could give me honest feedback and just being open to that feedback too. Yeah. Find yourself a mentor even. Right. Uh, right. And that's hard. That's hard to do. It I, is hard. I, yeah, like <laughs> it just organically happens or that's how you view it. It's like, do you just like go up to someone and say, Hey, uh, want to be my mentor? <laughs> um, and they're like, whoa, I don't know you uh, like that, on. buddy. <laughs> hold on a second. That sounds like a commitment. Right. Um, Just find somebody you trust. And it doesn't have to be a musician either. It can be your, like, like if your parents are really honest with you. Right. Well, the problem, <laughs> yeah, the problem, I love my parents. Bias, right? I love my, yeah, they're biased. Um, Same with my partner. It's like, you know, they'll say they like a song. But they only it's like, like it because it's yours. So. Right, right, right. And, and I don't know. I would hope that they would tell me if it's not a good song, if it's, I mean, they certainly like songs, certain songs more than other songs. So that's, I mean, that's a good indicator. They can look at me and be like, that one's really good. Um, and that's, that's definitely helpful. Um, but that also, you know, she's in the songs too sometimes. Right, so she's like, yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, it's a good I'm song. in it. <laughs> Makes me look really good. Yeah. Um, what do you think is 
What's the one of the funniest or worst things that ever happened to you during a gig? Oh, God. Oh, let me think. If anything at all. Anything at all. I, it's been pretty tame. I, I haven't, like, had anything super crazy happen. That's always true. Trying to think. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been pretty chill. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess, like, the, the most annoying thing was someone just really talking loudly, like coming in and really talking loudly, just being completely, you know, either probably a, a combination of drunk and clueless. Um, that sounds like a song. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> a combination of drunk and clueless about like the vibe of the room, like that it's a listening room and not, not a, bar. not a talk to your friends yeah. bar. I mean, it was in a bar. Oh, okay. Um, but it was it was the basement room of Telus, and I like gave him a good glare during one of my instrumental breaks, um, and sang louder. I I forget what I did. It, it was really snarky and indirect, and um, you know probably violated my my um, you know my charter as a conflict resolution person. But <laughs> but uh, I, that's probably the craziest. Crazy things. I don't. I'm not a very crazy person. I'm pretty. Oh, that's a good thing. Pretty yeah. low key and kind of vanilla. But and but even those even those uh things because they're gonna happen to you. The drunk person will come in, not care. Right, right. Sometimes they even come up to you and try to have, start a conversation with you mid set. And right, yes, definitely have kind of had that kind of vibe. Not like definitely that happening, but yeah. And you get Drunk and clueless. <laughs> That's a good song. That's a good like country yeah. song right there. All right, good folk song. Right? I'll go home and write that. Right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Where can people find you? Do you have any gigs coming up? Yeah. Um. Let me think here. I do have. I have a house show gig happening on. What is Saturday the eighth or Saturday the ninth of October? Um, it would be the 8th. Would be the 8th. Okay, so Saturday the 8th of October at a friend's farm, so people can hit me up for that. I'm not going to, like, say the address right. on, on the air here. But, yeah, if people want to – anybody's welcome to come to that. Um, I'm going to be playing with uh, another musician named Jessica Smucker, um, similar song singer-songwriter type. Um, she was actually recently featured on WITF Music. That's cool. Um. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be playing together. Um. Other than that, I yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of things lined up that are like you know public shows. Um. But you know you can find my recorded material anywhere you stream music. Uh, you know, be that Spotify, um, Apple Music, uh, Title. Um, find them on Instagram as well. Instagram too. You can find me on Instagram. Yeah, um, yeah. So my handle there is at Andrew Paul's Music, um, and my website is andrewpaulsmusic.com, and uh, Spotify is Andrew Paul's. So, if you want to follow us, you can find us anywhere. Searching up the story, Corey Rosen at C O R Y R O S E N. Make sure to follow, like, subscribe, share with your friends. 
If you really want to support us, leave a review, rate us on Spotify, or review us on Apple Podcasts and Facebook. If you want to check out all of our future guests and events, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the story Corey Rosen, and you'll find out all of our future guests. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your night, and we'll see you guys later. Bye.